the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Thessalonians. He will gather the nations together against Israel for the battle of Armageddon. That's through Revelation chapter 16 and 17. We don't need to read about it, but there will be this climactic battle that happens at the end of the seven years of tribulation, and he will be the one who will deceive the nations and lead them in battle against Israel and the God of Israel. And good news, though, number four, he will be overthrown by Jesus at the Lord's second coming and cast into the lake of fire. Satan is real. He's ferocious, cunning, and absolutely working in this world today. Can't you see his destruction? The hate and torment and fighting everywhere. The poverty and lies. He's doing his best to destroy all he can. But Pastor Gary has great news for you today. Jesus is coming back. He's going to stop Satan forever. He's going to restore order to this world, and He's going to bring all who believe to live with Him forever in peace. We don't know when this day will happen, but it is coming. Hold on. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. God says there's going to be a part of the end times. There will be a turning away from the faith. There will be a rebellion that occurs. Now back here in 2 Thessalonians 2, because enough of all that, I don't want to relaunch the whole Calvinist Arminian debate with you, even though I I rubbed a little salt in the wound on that one. But now I want to talk here about the Antichrist, because this is the second thing that he says, and this is where he spends most of the time now in chapter 2, where he speaks here about the man of lawlessness, and another title for him is the man doomed to destruction. So here's a quick list of Uh, the different titles throughout the Bible related to this particular person that we're talking about. The word Antichrist is used in the Bible, but only used a couple of times, and it's in 1 John chapter 2, and it specifically speaks about this one who's coming, Antichrist. But John also says in 1 John chapter 2 that many Antichrists, small a, are already here. I mean, there have always been people who are anti-Christ, who are opposed to Christ, opposed to Christianity, but there will be a single individual who will arrive on the world scene who is Antichrist, capital A. And he's also known, as we just pointed out here in 2 Thessalonians, as the man of lawlessness and the man doomed to destruction, or again, King James and uh, New King James talk about son of perdition. He's also known in Zechariah 11 as the foolish and worthless shepherd. He's known as the beast in Revelation 11 through 20. 
And he's known as a ruler in Daniel 9.26, or instead of ruler, he's called prince, New King James and ESV. And he's uh, also the abomination that causes desolation in Daniel chapter 9. And that describes not only a title for who he is, but also for something that he does. And we're going to talk about this as well. So those are the various titles of the Antichrist. This is the one that we're talking about. And now, uh, let me share with you again, and I mentioned some of these things a few weeks ago when we did our answer series on end times, but uh, for the sake of those of you who weren't there, I'm going to expound on this a little bit more. Uh, Some of the tactics that he will be up to. Number one, he will be a charismatic political world leader who will be given dictatorial powers by a ten-nation confederation to rule the world for three and a half years. So if you have your Bibles now uh, handy, if you'll go backwards to Daniel in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 7. And while you're turning there, let me set this up because Daniel has a dream of four different beasts, and this fourth beast has ten horns. And Daniel prays for understanding because he doesn't uh, understand what he is dreaming about here, what, what he is seeing. And so the answer that he gets here has to do with end times, and he specifically is going to speak now about the Antichrist. And so in Daniel chapter 7, verse 24, here's in, in reference to the explanation about the ten horns. What are these ten horns on, on the head of the fourth beast? And so here we have Daniel 7, verse 24, the ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise. Now, this is the Antichrist. Different from the earlier ones, he will subdue three kings. And he will speak against the Most High, that's God, and oppress his saints, that's Christians, and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. So one time plus two times, now it's three and a half. So three and a half. So what Daniel is telling us here through this dream is that there's going to be this ten-nation confederation. I'm, I'm summarizing the context of the, of the passage. There's going to be this ten-nation confederation, and out of this ten-nation confederation comes the Antichrist, and they will give him dictatorial powers over the world. There will be, I don't know that we'll ever see it, because I think we'll be gone and raptured before this, but there will be upon the earth a one one world government with one leader over the entire world. The Bible predicts it. The Bible says so. At some point, we're going to go from individual countries to geographical regions. The world territory will be divided into regions. But then out of these regions will emerge the Antichrist who will be over all the world. There will be a one world government. There will be one world leader, and it will be the Antichrist. Seven years of tribulation on the earth he comes into power early on, but he doesn't really show himself and, and get to supreme power until halfway into the seven years of tribulation. So he's going to rule for the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Number two, he will oppose God. He will proclaim himself to be God and demand to be worshipped in the temple instead of God. And by the way, he will kill those who refuse to do so. So if you're still there in Daniel, if you go a couple of chapters over to chapter 9, look at Daniel 9, verses 26 and 27. Now the first part of Daniel 9, starting around verse 25 speaks about the anointed one. So that's in reference to Messiah. That's a reference to Jesus, Messiah. But then it shifts gears 
in the middle of verse 26 and goes from talking about the anointed one, which is Jesus, to the ruler, which is Antichrist. So in the middle of verse 26, it says the people of the ruler, that's the Antichrist, uh, King James says prince, will come and will destroy the city and the sanctuary, talk about Jerusalem, and the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, talking about the seven years of tribulation, and in the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple... He will set up, here's his phrase, an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Okay, now your attention. This is what Daniel's telling us. And when, when we compare other scripture with scripture, and we, which is the best commentary on the Bible, by the way, the, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So you just compare passages with passages. So here's what we come to understand. That the Antichrist who comes onto the world scene is this great political charismatic, popular world leader will initiate a peace agreement. This is what Daniel speaks here about, a covenant of peace that he will establish for a seven-year period. So here he comes at the beginning of the tribulation period, rises to power, and is able, manages to bring about world peace. Now, listen, this is not so far stretched from you know our own day. When Bill Clinton was president, he brought together then Yasser Arafat, the president of the PLO, and then Ehud Barak, who was the prime minister of Israel, brought him up to Camp David and divided Jerusalem among Christians, Muslims, and Jews. And Barak had agreed to it, Clinton had agreed to it, Yasser Arafat said no. But they were this close to bringing about this, this kind of uh, political and religious peace there in Jerusalem. And so when Antichrist comes onto the world scene, it's actually as inconceivable as it seems to us because we see all the conflict. This guy's going to be able to unite world religions, is going to be able to unite world governments, and under the banner of one world religion and, and one world government, both is going to happen on the earth. He's going to make this covenant of peace for the seven years. But halfway into it, three and a half years, he's going to reveal himself for who he really is. And in all of his diabolical, demonic power, he reveals himself and he demands to be worshipped. And he sets himself up in the temple of God, which, by the way, tells us something also, that there will be a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. Because there hasn't been a temple in Jerusalem since 70 AD. The Jews will rebuild the temple. They will reinstate the sacrifices. The Antichrist will bring all this about. People will think this is incredible. The Jews will start sacrificing again in the temple. But one day, three and a half years into the seven-year peace agreement, the Antichrist is going to say, I want to be worshipped. I'm your Messiah. Worship me. He's going to go into the Holy of Holies, and that's going to be the abomination that causes desolation, proclaiming himself to be God and demand to be worshipped. When that happens, the eyes of the Jews will be opened, by the way. They will realize that they have been deceived. Now, Jesus spoke of this himself in Matthew 24, verse 15. He said, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, when you see this, he warns, if you're around during that day, flee to the mountains, run to the hills. Because it will not be a good day in Jerusalem. It will not be a good day on the earth. So Antichrist comes, sets himself up, demands to be worshipped. 
Also, further on in chapter 11 of Daniel, verses 36 and 37, in Daniel 11, 36, it says, the king, this is still the Antichrist, the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the, listen to this, for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but he will exalt himself above them all. Now, by the way, those two phrases there about the gods of his fathers or the one desired by women Many Bible scholars believe that the God of our fathers is a reference to the fact that Antichrist may very well be Jewish, that he's speaking in terms of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he has no regard, though, for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't honor God, and, and he speaks there about the one desired by women, nor does he have any regard for the one desired by women. Now, this is written by Daniel, so this is like 500-some years before Christ was born, but every woman in Jerusalem desired to be the one who would give birth to Messiah. So this is a reference to the Messiah. In other words, Antichrist will have no regard for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and no regard for Jesus as Messiah. He will exalt himself and demand himself to be worshipped and kill those who don't. So this is that guy coming onto the world scene. How many of you are encouraged so far in our Bible study? Number three. Number three, he will gather the nations together against Israel for the battle of Armageddon. That's through Revelation chapter 16 and 17. We don't need to read about it, but there will be this climatic battle that happens at the end of the seven years of tribulation, and he will be the one who will deceive the nations and lead them in battle against Israel and the God of Israel. And good news, though, number four, he will be overthrown by Jesus at the Lord's second coming and cast into the lake of fire. Now, this is exactly what, this brings us back now to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, because this is exactly what Paul writes. I'm going to skip to verse 8 just to highlight it, but then we'll come back to where we left off. But 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. And... Revelation 19, verses 19 and 20 says that at the end of the battle of Armageddon, when Jesus is victorious over the armies that have gathered against Israel, against God, that he will immediately then throw the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire. And so he, he comes to an end. I mean, he's not annihilated. He's perpetually tormented in the lake of fire, but he is defeated, and, uh, and Jesus comes in all of his splendor and glory and overthrows him and doesn't have to go, doesn't even have to break a sweat. I mean, just overthrows him by the splendor of his coming and just (laughs) the breath of his mouth. So let's pick up back here again. Now, in your Bibles in 2 Thessalonians 2, when it talks about the man doomed to destruction, or again, in some of your translations, the son of perdition, That might be a familiar title to some of you if you recognize that because that title does not only apply to the Antichrist, 
But Jesus used that same title for Judas in John 17, verse 12. There are only two people in the Bible who are specifically, it specifically says, are possessed by Satan himself. That was Judas, and that will be the Antichrist. The Bible tells us that in John 13, 27, that at the scene of the Last Supper, when Judas dipped his matzah into the same bowl that Jesus was using as well, that it says in John 13, 27, then Satan entered him. Satan entered Judas. So as the great betrayer, Jesus then, in John 17, uh, verse 12, refers to Judas as the son of perdition or the man doomed to destruction. Same phrase, depending on your translation. So Judas was an antichrist, small a, possessed by Satan. The Antichrist, capital A, also possessed by Satan. You can go home and do your homework. Read Revelation 13, verses 1 through 10. Revelation 13, 1 to 10 tells us that the Antichrist, or the beast, gets his power from the dragon. The dragon is Satan. And so Satan is behind the Antichrist. The Antichrist is a real person, uh, not just some, you know, like demonic being that comes to the earth. This is a real person, much like Judas was a real person. And this real person will be possessed by Satan and will have the power of Satan to rule and to reign, though for a limited time. And so that's this person. Now, again, I said this before, could this person be on the world scene now? Possibly. And might be, you know, a part of the geopolitical network? I don't know. I don't know when, at what point Satan comes into this person either. So they might be a very likable person person right now. But at some point, they get possessed by Satan and operate under his power. But he is that, the man of lawlessness, the man doomed to destruction. And uh, back here now in your Bibles, verse 4, and he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God, this is what we've been reading in Daniel, or is worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So there's that reference. There he is, wanting to be worshipped in God's temple. And then Paul adds here, Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what, circle that word what, you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. You know, demonic things and satanic things are already at work, just not specifically yet with the Antichrist. But the one who, circle that word, who now holds it back will continue to do so till he, circle that pronoun, is taken out of the way. All right, what does all that mean? Paul talks about there's a what that is holding the Antichrist back from being fully revealed, and there is a who that is holding the Antichrist back from being fully revealed until he, pronoun, is taken out of the way. So what, let's break this down. The what in reference to what is holding the Antichrist back. There is something still happening on the earth that until the what is removed, Antichrist is not going to be revealed. Because he says further down in, in, verse, uh, in verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed. So there's a what factor and there's a who factor. The what factor, folks, is the church. 
The reason that God has still been merciful is because His bride is still here on earth. The reason why there is still a measure of God's mercy upon the earth is because of the present factor of the church. Okay, where there is a remnant of righteousness, you see an extra measure of God's mercy and grace. You remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? And when Abraham was not arguing with God, but he was just kind of exploring with God an understanding of at what point are you going to destroy Sodom and, and Gomorrah? And he, and he does like a backwards kind of a countdown. He says, if there are 30 righteous people, will you, will you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, if there's 30. How about, how about 20? Can I hear 15? How about 10? He gets God all the way down to 10. He goes, yeah, for 10 righteous people, I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, which tells us that there weren't even 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. But the mitigating factor concerning the wrath of God being poured out upon the unrighteous is when the righteous are still present. But what happens when the church is removed? You see, when the rapture comes and the what, which is the church, is removed from the earth. Now, people can still get saved during the tribulation period, but when the bride of Christ is taken away, taken from the earth, now that factor has been removed. Who is holding him back is God himself. So the what is the church, the who is God. Now what about the pronoun he? The one who holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Well, when the church exits, friends, listen, the Holy Spirit exits. The he, the pronoun he is a reference to the Holy Spirit will be taken from the earth. When the church exits, so goes the Spirit of God. So those are the mitigating factors holding back, the restraining factors, why the Antichrist has not been fully revealed. The church is still here, but one day the church will be taken. So God is the who behind holding the Antichrist back, the Holy Spirit removed. And then, verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. Now notice, for the sake of those of you who think this, this seems cruel that God would let any perish, no, he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But here's why they perish. They perish, rest of verse 10, because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. In other words, Well, the Bible tells us that people will have the opportunity, but judgment comes upon those who refuse the truth and refuse to be saved, and therefore then God basically gives them what they want. That's the rest of verse 11. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion. So you you want to reject me? You want to refuse the truth? You refuse to be saved? Then okay, have it your way. A powerful delusion so they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So the time is coming, friends, when this demonic world leader will come upon the earth, one world government, one world religion, but the church gets rescued before all of that. I don't believe that just because I want to believe that, though I do, because I don't want to be around for any of this. 
but I believe it because I believe that's the way Scripture presents it. And so God does not want any to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection. As Pastor Gary Hammer teaches through the book of 2 Thessalonians. If you're interested in hearing this message again or want to hear more like it, you can visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also download our mobile app so you can have these teachings with you on the go. This is a great way to keep up with Pastor Gary's studies and to have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app by going to the Teachings tab under the menu at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Once you're there, you can also learn more about the church this radio ministry originates from, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd be so happy to meet you and to get to know your story. You'll find all you need to know about service times and other information on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We trust you've been encouraged by today's teaching from the book of 2 Thessalonians, and we encourage you to read over today's passage on your own. Once you do that, plan to join us for the next edition, where Pastor Gary will continue teaching from this New Testament letter, here on Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.